This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Times, at that point, the president's lawyers had found these five additional pages of classified documents. So did you not know on Friday that those documents had been found when you were at the podium? Or are you being directed by someone to not be forthcoming on this issue? I have been forthcoming. Mm, No, you haven't. Beautiful question. White House presser yesterday, Corinne Jean-Pierre. You can kind of, I know it's not the best audio, but you can hear this reporter saying now, you came out on a feel-good Friday. Wake up mid-Missouri. They got off there at 9 o'clock, and then you came out and said, hey, yep, these are all the documents. We've all been found. Less than 24 hours later, on Saturday, the big story of the day was, hey, oops, we found some more documents. Uh, what I heard the reporter saying, she, she's saying, were you lying then or are you lying now? Beautiful question. Is that, is that intellectual dishonesty or just straight-up dishonesty? We have Lena Wen from CNN, the Washington Post columnist and one of the doctors who is now saying, hey, you know what? We have way, CNN, we have way overcounted COVID deaths. And the qualifier is, yep, people maybe had COVID when they died of something else. Remember the comorbidities and all that? Yeah, people went to the hospital, they got sick with something. But they said, oh, they died of COVID. It's like saying Whitney Houston uh, uh, died of a drug overdose. She didn't die of a drug overdose. She died from drowning. She's really high, too, on drugs. And that's what uh, what happened. Anyhow, welcome to the show. I want to bring in Congressman Mark Alford. Um, got appointed to some pretty significant committees that matters to us here in Missouri. But first, Congressman, welcome to the show. We are appreciative of your time. What's the, what's the buzz behind the scenes in the hallways in D.C. as it relates to Biden uh, and these documents? Hey, thank you, Brandon. Hi, everybody. We're traveling through Tipton right now on the way to Jeff City to have some meetings uh, with the Farm Bureau and also the governor's giving a state of the state today. Uh, when we left Washington, I continued to be in contact with our office there. I, I know that the Republican conference in particular is very upset that the way this has all played out. Last week, our office uh, drafted a letter. We got more than 40 signatures uh, from Republican congressmen and women to demand that uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, appoint a special counsel. Hours after that letter hit uh, his office, he did just that. And uh, we're, we're going to see what happens now. You know, the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee is going to be investigating this as well. We'll see what information they come up with. But we are very disturbed at the lack of transparency. The White House from the uh, press briefings say that they're being transparent in all this or about as transparent as a muddy Missouri River. <laughs> it does not make sense what they are telling us. And more documents continue to be found. The big guy had the big documents next to the big green car, and that is not cutting the mustard. My Congressman Mark Alford. Here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 104.5 News Radio, 950 KWOS. And I want to remind, especially, you know, we have a whole, we have a, we have a whole trench of new listeners. We have uh, files and files of new, younger listeners here to the show, regretful Biden voters. And uh, to folks like that, or maybe you're still a Biden supporter, uh, understand this isn't like a conservative talk show talking point. The current president of the United States had in his possession classified documents. The same guy who campaigned on transparency. The, this 
is kind of a big deal. It's also a big deal. Um, you've been appointed to serve on the House Armed Services and Agriculture uh, Committees. Congrats. Uh, talk about, Thank you. I, I want to say the importance of what you're doing, but the importance of these positions specifically to folks here in Missouri that are in your district, why this matters to us. Yeah, Brandon, I want to make this very clear from the outset. These were our goals in uh, achieving uh, success for our district, not for me personally, but our district needed whoever had this seat to be on these two committees. Vicki Hartzer, our predecessor, of course, did a great job on the Ag Committee and House Armed Services and was climbing up uh, and was going to chair a subcommittee this time around had she not run for Senate. These are going to be big shoes to fill, and I applaud her service to this uh, and stewardship of this position. And now we have been asked to join these committees to help bring about even greater strength to our military. You know, we have a new B-21 bomber coming on the next couple of years. It's going to be at Whiteman Air Force Base, replacing eventually the B-2. And we're coming through. Uh, we've already had one listening tour in Her- in Harrison, uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania last week. I was a part of that on Friday at their farm show, the equivalent of our state fair here in Missouri. And we are going to be putting together listening tours, hopefully bringing one here to uh, Sedalia or Warrensburg, where everyone can come and give their input on the farm bill. It's going to be a very big deal for our economy with 95,000 farms in the state of Missouri. We want to make sure that we get the best deal for our farmers, that we're able to feed our citizens, that we keep our kids healthy, and that uh, we continue to to try to, to make America great again through our agriculture. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. I do want to follow up on Brandon's question because that is, I think, very important. Not so much on the armed services. That's very important, too. But his question about the Agriculture Committee, because here in just a couple of weeks, if not maybe a month or so, the Swift Foods facility here in Columbia is going to open several hundred jobs. They just briefed us the other day, ready did right. at the ready board meeting. And we also just up and down our quarter here at Lamone Industrial, there, there are all sorts of food. And then you go up to Route B, lots of agriculture jobs right here in Columbia. Do you? Is there any talk or any chance the Agriculture Committee would hold a hearing in mid-Missouri right here in our area? We could certainly push for that. I know that the Columbia area and the corridor there is vital, instrumental to the success of our ag and uh, processing plants. And as far as trucking and shipping, uh, getting these products out to all parts of the country, the rail lines that run through there, I would be very much in favor, of course, with the the energy and, and everything that's going through the Columbia area with MU's involvement in our ag, that we do have something there. I'm going to be talking with the chairman, G.T. Thompson, to make sure that uh, we get a listening tour, at least one in the state of Missouri, because we are so vital. I've said it before, Missouri is not just the breadbasket of our state in America, but we are really the breadbasket of the world. And so it's important that people are listened to from our district. Congressman Mark Alford, 4th Congressional District Congressman Mark Alford, joining us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Congressman, in the latest version of the farm bill that's sure to come down the pike, there's a lot of talk uh, from the other side about climate change and all that being built into it. And I guess maybe to go along with that, the fingers pointed at the Keystone XL pipeline being on hold or canceled and all. Where do you come down on both of those? 
Well, we need to get the climate change issues out of the farm bill. They are tying climate initiatives. They're tying uh, the social scores uh, to businesses and lending. And that should not be part of the farm bill. Uh, We are going to work hard to make sure that, number one, the farm bill stays together, the titles involving the food nutrition programs and supporting our farmers uh, stays together. We think that's very important. But we've got to get back to the business of farming, getting the government off the backs of our farmers, getting the EPA off the backs of our farmers, uh, and especially with the Waters of the U.S. Act, which has impacted a, a lot of farmers in our district who are not able to farm viable parts of their acreage because of the overreach of the federal government. Congressman Mark Alford this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Anything else that you would like to add to be of service to your constituents? I just want to thank everyone once again for having confidence in me to be your voice and your vote in Washington. It's been a very interesting and rewarding two weeks. Uh, We've made friends there. We've gotten on the committees that uh, we need to get on to, to be of service to our district. And our office is always open. We're on the fifth floor of Longworth Office Building, 1516. If you're ever in Washington, please come by and see us. I'd love to shake your hand and hear what's on your heart, soul, and mind. Mark Alford, 4th Congressional District Congressman, thank you so much for joining us here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 93.9, the EO 104.5 News Radio 950, KWOS. To some of those points, talking about getting climate change stuff out of the farm bills. Uh, at the World Economic Forum, and I love this. Uh, Aaron Hedlund, he's from the Missouri Institute, worked in the Trump administration as an economic advisor. We asked him, because you hear, what's happening at this World Forum uh, uh, economic thing in Davos? What's going on? Why does it matter? Why should we care? And we asked him, why should we care? Somebody just driving to work. Maybe they're working at Swift Foods this morning, uh, you know, or maybe they're working at uh, uh, Hitachi, and they're going, why the Davos uh, world? Why should I care? Hedlund's answer? You shouldn't. Uh, (laughs) Which... (laughs) Good, good, because that's one last thing we got to stress about. But here are some of the things that are happening uh, there. This guy's name is Alan Dangower, as I understand it. He is the director of climate and health. Listen to what he says here. Of course, the other massive uh, ecosystem-mediated pathway between climate change and health is the impact on our mental health. And we see these two, these these two paths, these two. It's a two-directional pathway. Number one. Young people are petrified about the future, and that is having a substantial impact on their mental health. Young people are fearful of the future, frightened of the future because of climate change. Don't get mad. I agree with what he is saying. They are petrified of the future. Not because climate change is real to the extent that those folks say it's real and the earth is going to cave in on itself in five years from now. Yeah, younger people probably are scared. You know why? Uh, Because the news outlets are paying attention to whatever it is. Uh, USA Today, CNN, they hear it and they see it. And it's the news people saying, oh, my God, you're going to die unless you buy a a, a Tesla or a Toyota Prius. Buy one of these. You're going to die. Get rid of your gas stove. You're going to die. And they are. You're dang right they're freaking out. But they're not freaking out based on intellectual honesty from the news outlets. They're freaking out because these kids who have graduated from universities... And get brainwashed in these schools of journalism. They think it's okay to go and lie and scare people, scare you to death. He's right. Maybe some young... By the way, I have not met any young people, incidentally, that are petrified of climate change in the future. You don't get out much. 
Have you been to Mizzou's campus? <laughs> hey, coming up, we are going to do the uh, the Morning Bell business news. A little twist only Stephanie Bell can give you. What can we look forward to? You talked about at one time how the federal government had banned sliced bread. Well, the FTC is considering banning this. All right, what is it, the FTC? I can't wait. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Good morning, it's 825. It's time for the Morning Bell. By this time every morning, we give you some business news, but we also bonus you with a little twist that only... Stephanie Bell can give you. And before the market opens, market futures are looking up. Now, you were talking about the federal government banning sliced bread. True story. Years ago. World War II. Um, but the FTC is proposing, that's the Federal Trade Commission, is proposing to ban non-compete clauses. Mm-hmm. And I actually like this in certain circumstances. Um, but they've put out a rule. Uh, it's in the 60-day comment period, so we're not really sure what the final rule will be. It's suspected that businesses will challenge the rule. But basically what happens is, you know, you come in, you sign a contract when you for your employment. Um, and, and for a lot of employers, that's standard. You sign the non-compete and it says basically, you know, there's there's restrictions around it that have been implemented through the courts. But, you know, for this amount of time in this region, so maybe, you know, for a year around Columbia, you can't you know, go open your own business or work for a competitor and basically take what you know or take our customers. And it's pretty, it, it's become pretty standard. Um, but in certain circumstances, I think it's overused. And people are saying it, it also, you know, we need people to work. We have a, a labor shortage and it prevents some people from going back to work and oftentimes in the only industry that they've ever known. So say you've only done one thing and then you have to sit out for a year or two because of this non-compete. Um, and so the FTC is proposing banning it. And I, this was a hot topic in the legislature a couple of years ago. I believe it was Representative Fitzwater who had proposed um, some restrictions on non-competes. And I just checked and it does look uh, like Senator Beck, uh, Senate Bill 293, has proposed a limitation um, on non-competes. A lot of states have. And his in particular, which has been adopted in other states, uh, relates to hourly workers. So when you think about you know, why would I do a non-compete? Usually it's people in the C-suite. It's people who have access to really sensitive information, have relationships with customers that if they left could be devastating to your business. And so Senator Beck's bill is like for hourly people. You know, if you're at a retail shop just selling widgets, you know, selling vapes, selling cell phones or whatever, and you leave, like, and you're making hourly wages, no, no customers are coming with you. You're, you probably don't have access to a ton of sensitive information. Uh, you should really, and then, you know, if you're, if you get let go and you can't go work anywhere else and you were on hourly wage, where else are you going to go? And so, you know, I think this legislation in the Senate is smart. Um, I don't know. uh, The FTC ban is much more broad and it, it, um, it applies, uh, beyond just hourly workers. And also what they're saying is, hey, if you just ban non-competes, employers are going to get their get their way no matter what, and they can do it through other means. So one is through uh, non-disclosure agreements. So basically, you couldn't use anything that you learn or any of the information. The other one is non-solicitation. So you and, and that applies in two ways. One, you know, you can't go steal my customers, and and two, you can't go poach my employees even if you do leave. Um, and so there are other agreements and maybe there are also incentives that employers could provide maybe to incentivize you to work longer, um, but they'll get around it. And I think back to what we talked about yesterday and, oh, hey, you've got to post salary ranges and the government gets involved and says, hey, in order for worker transparency, post salary ranges. And Netflix is like, yeah, the salary range is 90 to 900,000. So while I think the intent of trying to limit, you know, uh, restrictions on 
free market, like where people can work, um, is good. I think we got to be really careful in, in making these proposals because I do think that, you know, letting the market dictate, and I think employers will get around it in, in one way or another. And the thing is, is a lot of times when you, let's say you're signing a or you're taking, you're starting a job, we're hiring you, but you have to sign this non-compete. Well, you're looking for the job. Okay, sure, I'll sign it. It will never become an issue. The only thing is what I've done in the past. The only time I am okay with non-compete. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Women are wearing to work. They've adopted a resolution this week, and the old dress code says women should wear dresses, skirts, or slacks with a blazer or a sweater. The new rules now say proper attire for women is jackets worn with those dresses, skirts, or slacks. Change proposed by a woman who is Republican uh, lawmaker Ann Kelly. The men's dress code did not change, nor was it debated. Uh, I have I, I don't know when was the last time I posted something personally on my personal Facebook page. It's been a while, been a hot minute. Uh, I posted this week because I was so frustrated with national news coverage of what happened in the Missouri House as it relates to a dress code. They, I would say they overblew it. They, they lied, and I love this, this, but they didn't address it for the men and this whole thing. In effect, nothing, nothing changed. I posted on Facebook to all my radio friend colleagues and talk show, if please don't fall for this story, the national news outlets and even outlets here locally are lying. They are lying and exaggerating what happened in the House as it relates to the dress code for chicks. Will lie for fundraising dollars. <laughs> so it made national news, and I saw some retweets from some folks here in Missouri, and I guess the Vermont women legislators tweeted out, they stand in solidarity with our Missouri colleagues. Please support their fight by donating. And they had a picture of all of them with their bare arms, hashtag right to bear, B-A-R-E <laughs> arms, which I had seen before. <laughs> and we're laughing not because it's funny. I think we're laughing because they think it's funny and it's not. And they can't read because you didn't have the right to bear your arms before this new thing. But of course, they're tweeting it out and saying, if you believe in the cause, you know, here... <laughs> Donate to the Democrats because this and it's it's hypocritical because the whole time the Democrats are like, we're wasting our time. This shouldn't be an issue. And they've made it an issue. And now they're saying this is why you need to donate money because it's so important. John, let me start with you as a longtime journalist here in mid-Missouri. Uh, and I'll serious. I want to separate your opinion from this. Careful. As you have watched the national news coverage, local, by the way, local news coverage, they're lying. They really are. I don't know. I don't know of a nice way to put it. They are lying to you. Uh, as a journalist who's been doing this for a lot of years, like, what's your take on this? Well, as Brian and I can relate, I mean, you know, it's it's silly because we've always been not just the lawmakers and staff, but those of us in the news biz, we've been held to a standard where you got to have a coat and tie to go, you know, into the chambers or into the visitors gallery and all that. So, and so does so does everybody else at the Capitol. So this is not an issue. But the the fact that the way the news outlets are are are, are pushing this and the way you know they they took the the internet story and got the the details they wanted and spun it the way they wanted, whether they're trying to 
have fun with it, like it sounds like some of the lawmakers back east, or or really try to put a spin on it and make us look like flyover country once again. I I think the biggest thing is it was literally three or four sentences. I mean, it's 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 a one page thing, and it's and Ann Kelly um, had the bill, and it's in you know maybe a couple of words that changed, but it obviously got blown out of proportion. But if you look at it, John, <clears throat> Ann Kelly's proposal. It's not a whole lot different than when Bob Griffin was speaker and he had a, I mean, they had dress code back in the 90s and the 80s as well. It's not much different than that. There may be a few words that were tweaked, but I just, um, I think the biggest thing is some of these reporters didn't read it. I mean, they they couldn't have. I mean, (laughs) they didn't read it or they lied. I like how a lot of news outlets keep pointing out that a woman proposed this dress code. How and could it, she? And it actually expands. It said, hey, can we count like a cardigan as a blazer? Can that count? And that's essentially what they did. You know, and it's a lot of like rules for thee and not for me. I, I'm looking at the dress code for the municipal court in the city of Jefferson. So if you're the defendant, if you get like a speeding ticket and you have to go to a municipal court, it says you must be clean and professional, no shorts above the knee, no sagging pants, no short skirts, no tank tops, no tube tops, no revealing clothing, no inappropriate t-shirts, no caps or hats. And it says they have discretion and failure to comply with the court rules and the dress code may result in the defendant being asked to leave, change their attire, or be found in contempt of court. So, you know, your citizens who get a speeding ticket, who go to your local court, have to follow certain dress codes. You mm-hmm. And you're a senator. Shouldn't you be held to a higher standard? Isn't there a respect for the institution, uh, an, uh, you know, a history of decorum? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yes, yes, and yes. And, geez, in the news, will you people please quit lying about this? I'm a little concerned that flip-flops aren't on the list of no-dos. <laughs> <laughs> But, but two, you know, two, Brandon and John, and you bring up a great point about court, by the way, because they, they will, they'll, they'll ask them to leave. But to John's point, John brought up something very important, specifically in the Missouri Senate. You have to have a coat and tie. A lot of times I, when I was at the Capitol, just because diabetes and I would get hot, um, I, Jim Jordan, I, I bet you, I wonder if he has the same thing. Jim Jordan, the congressman from Ohio, almost never wears a jacket. I don't know if people notice that or not, but he doesn't. And I would go around the Capitol a lot of times in a shirt and tie. But if I had to go to the Senate and I didn't like it, I would have to put a, a coat on. But that was a rule. Um, and, you know, I, again, Ann Kelly proposed it and it's not much different at least from my reading it, John, it's not much different than what Bob Griffin or Jim Matthewson had, in, you know, 30 years ago. Well, and a, a lot of it, the hype was just, I think, trying to distinguish, well, it's for women and women are being singled out. But it was Senator Moon who got in trouble last year he for wearing overalls yeah. on the floor. He was kicked out. Yeah. I mean, he was literally and he he knew that. And then, of course, he didn't help himself by um, he angered the governor about, you know, defeating the appointment of the health director but he was removed from some committees for a while so yes it was and and that the point of that was Sheree Tolson Reich the Democrats say they were targeted but it was Mike Moon that was literally as I recall kicked out how how well did they define uh, sleeves like like what if a, a female lawmaker like what a sleeve of like your tattoo like a tattoo sleeve and you know who would be the first one to do that Sheree Tolson Reich hey it's a full it's tattoos but it's a full sleeve, man. So, Brandon, you were talking about the last time you might have posted something personal on your personal Facebook page. 
Listener Doug is doing a deep dive. Oh. Doing, doing a little Facebook stalking, if you will. Oh, by and, a dude? Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone does it, okay? Um, he sent us a, a pretty interesting photo of you from, uh, I'm guessing, back in the day, based <laughs> off of the amount of hair on the top of your head. <laughs> and it's very menacing. Like, why... Why are you... Uh, because, I th- yeah. I think you still have that shirt, though. <laughs> Probably. And I will say, too, this whole right to bear arms, if you actually read the text of the rule, and we're going to get all lawyerly on you for a minute, it says a jacket shall include blazers, cardigans, and knit blazers. Nowhere in there does it even say long sleeve. If you were to wear a short sleeve cardigan... I would think that would count. Yeah, and I, again, I, I've read that, and, and again, I think in in most years, that would maybe get 30 seconds. I was, I again, it got a ton of discussion. I haven't talked to Ann Kelly about it, the representative from Lamar, but my gut feeling is she's probably surprised how much attention, and she's been criticized for, for this proposal, but again, it's, it's, it's BS is what yeah. it is. Well, now we have <laughs> now we have a state rep, Cherie Tolson-Reich, texting us at 874-9390. Was she listening? <laughs> she must have been. She said, I have no tattoos, LOL. <laughs> but if anybody were to go and say, well, you want full sleeves, I'm going to go with a, uh, a yes. sleeve of uh, tattoos. I would give, uh, Kevin would be one of my winners of the week. If Well, but how do you define woman? If we have a Supreme Court justice now sitting in Washington, D.C., who can't define what a woman is, uh, how can we apply these rules if we can't even define a woman? Kevin, you get uh, you get some points for that. Eight I remember Brian talked about longtime, the longest serving <clears throat> Missouri House Speaker was Bob Griffin, who passed away a couple years ago. I remember I knew Bob Griffin well and his son even better. And Bob Griffin was one of those guys, so they'd have to catch him at the door as he was headed Headed out of his office, Bob, Bob, put your tie on. Tie your tie, Bob. So this is nothing new with them debating attire at the Capitol. But some of these other entities out there outside of our immediate area blew it into something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. By the way, John, you know how um, we talk about your legendary status here in Missouri, which is, uh, you know, code speak for your old. Uh, <laughs> and it is always very complimentary. I got this for you. Uh-oh. Uh, My attorney is rolling tape, but go for it. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of cool because I know you know we 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 tease and it's always a compliment, and we're all brothers and sisters here on the show. We like to uh, to tease each other, uh, but this is LeBron James. I didn't realize he'd been playing in the NBA for twenty years now. He went he was straight from high school, right? Yep, like straight from high. See school. the night he had the other night. What did he score? Like forty eight points. Yeah, almost as much as Wilt Chamberlain used to score. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's facing uh, the Houston Rockets, and there's an NBA player named Jabari Smith Jr. His father played in the NBA. His father was Jabari Smith uh, Jr. They are mic'd up, and I just kind of thought this, this was just a pretty cool exchange. Hey. You played against my dad. First, your first NBA game ever. Really? Sacramento. You feel old, don't you? <laughs> Isn't that so cool? So it's Jabari Smith Jr. approaching LeBron James on the course. Says, hey, hey, you played against my father. <laughs> I like how right after he says it, LeBron is just kind of quiet for several seconds. You can tell and he's then he processing. scored 48 points. Yeah. Scored 48 points. Uh, but sure <laughs> enough, uh, so this kid in the NBA, his dad faced uh, 
LeBron James on October 29th, 2003. <laughs> so the Cavs. So, see, it's not old. It's respecting the legend, Well, now John. I now I feel bad because I said to John, hey, remember when you used to talk to my dad on the radio? <laughs> hey, yes, we did. <laughs> this is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Enjoy. Right, before we get into my dad's favorite show here on the radio station, the Gary Nolan Show, uh, some leftovers. I wanted to mention that we were talking about the uh, the BS coverage nationally and even locally regarding the dress code in the Missouri House of Representatives for the women only. It wasn't even debated for uh, for men. Uh, Brenda says it kind of reminds me of that song, the Harper Valley PTA. Well, the notes said Mrs. Johnson, you're wearing your dress. John, you remember that song, right? While we're back on the age jokes. Probably played it as a current. Yeah. Uh, welcome into the show, Wake Up Mid-Missouri. So before we do get into Gary Nolan, Steph, and uh, uh, Marsh, and producer Hannah, myself, wanted to get into some of the things we had leftovers. Count, uh, the uh, Department of Conservation releasing deer harvest numbers for the uh, year. And Stephanie, I thought you'd get a kick out of this. Almost 300,000 deer. High five, Missouri. <laughs> uh, the county with the most turkeys. Turkeys? <laughs> Boone. Ah, there it is. Thank you. <laughs> I get points for the assist on that one, though, right? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> uh, Franklin County, apparently, uh, for the turkey season, like 2,400 turkeys harvested, in case you're interested as a hunter. Uh, John, you like to kill these things, don't you? Sure. Right. <laughs> Steph, what you got? It's for called local? harvesting. Harvesting. You don't clean them out. Clean them out. Eat them. Eat them. Uh, last night was fun in Ashland. We had a board of alder, aldermen meeting. Um, we talked today about how Jeff City and Columbia both passed this local tax on marijuana. Ashland had previously, not passed, sorry, passed, is going to send it to the voters. Uh, same for Ashland. We did that a bit ago. Um, but last night, uh, we first and second read in a bill to an ordinance to send another question to the voters in Ashland, and that is for a sales tax. Um, I got outvoted, I will say. Um, the current proposal is for 1%, um, and I had voted against that and said I thought we should do half a percent. Um, that was not the consensus. Um, I did propose that if we were going to do the 1%, that we should also roll back the property personal property tax rate in the city of Ashland, um, and that was adopted as an amendment on the tax proposal um and so ultimately on that tax proposal we came to a tie and the mayor actually had to break the tie which i think is the first time since i've been on the board the mayor's ever broken a tie so the mayor in effect played kamala harris yesterday yes and so that proposal will be going to the voters it has to be uh third read in the city again so it's not completely final yet um but uh you know and ultimately i think everyone was doing what you know they thought was the best for the city and when it gets you know when it goes forward i will be supporting it um i would have preferred a half Mm -hmm. a cent but what our law enforcement has said is they need uh another officer and they need more resources and so i worked really hard in the last meeting to make sure the funding was dedicated to the it wasn't just a blank check because i don't think people will support it so importantly the funding will be dedicated to public works and law enforcement when this comes up for a vote this is i don't know why i'm like really because i'm not about tax increases on anything but on the marijuana an extra sales tax i'm like it's not going to affect me. I ain't paying it. I ain't buying for the weed. Weird one for me. John, anything tasty in your little fridge this morning? Well, Amron got the attention of folks up in Callaway County proposing another solar farm, a 250-megawatt solar power facility 
to be built near Kingdom City, and a lot of folks who live up in that area are none too crazy about the idea. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm hoping that Callaway County Commissioner Roger Fisher will join us on the show. There's him and a whole group of other folks that, um, that you know, and it's one of those, the people that it is affecting, it's... It's another one of those not-in-my-backyard deals. Not-in-my-backyard, and you got people saying, well, hey, it's my land. I can lease it out to these companies if they want. And then you got nearby the farmers saying, but we don't want that here. And the passion uh, that surrounds this issue, it's some uh, some crazy stuff. All right, anything else? Oh, I want to play this real quick. Leftovers hot mic moment yesterday. Uh, M- uh, NBC's Peter Alexander. Uh, They're trying to ask the president of the United States of America, the guy who had uh, classified documents from his time as VP in his in his possession. Uh, And besides having those, then in effect, what we're gathering our lies when you tell us on Friday, nope, that's all the documents. Less than 24 hours later, there's more documents. So this NBC reporter is a little miffed at uh, at Joe. Keep moving. The hot mic, by the way. This is so. This is not like he's not being interviewed. Somebody had their mic on. and He got caught. Keep moving. Thank you. I looked him straight in the eye and said it. He looked me back and he said a word. Will you commit to speak to the special counsel? He looked at me. Didn't say a word. 